And here we go. Hour number two of Overtime, live from the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown. Hour number two about to begin, and in the hour we'll talk about our NFL playoffs and our contending questions. And we'll ask the question, did Michael Penix Jr.'s draft stock drop last night? But I want to begin with this, and it's recapping NFL Week 18, which ended the NFL regular season this past weekend. And uh, each of us will take a deep dive into uh, a game from this weekend. And uh, I'll begin, and I'm going to talk about the Bills and Dolphins from this weekend. Uh, The Buffalo Bills and Miami Dolphins faced off in an AFC East clash on Sunday Night Football. And I think this was a microcosm of how the Bills season went. Uh, to begin with, to begin with, let's talk about Josh Allen. Uh, Josh Allen is a player that can make plays that no other quarterback in the NFL can do, and he can win you games just surely based off the the stuff he's able to do, running it, throwing it, whatever it may be. But at times, you also have to live with his turnover problem, and that's been on display all season long. Twenty-two of them on the year, eighteen interceptions, and. In the game against the Dolphins, you had to live with those turnovers. He had three of them, two bad interceptions, and and you know some Bills fans will say, well, uh, it was a punt. You know, if the th- interception he threw was basically a punt, well, it's still turning the ball over when you could have maybe gotten a field goal or points out of it, right? Mm. So there's that. And then injuries has been something that has riddled the Bills all season. Injuries to Von Miller and and Milano, you know, big time injuries to their defense that really affected the way they they played. And then in the Dolphins game Sunday night, you had injuries to Gabe Davis and you had injuries to Douglas, the guy they brought over from Green Bay. They had to work around that. And then, you know, they were six and six a month ago, a month and a half ago, I should say. You know, it looked like they very well could not make the playoffs. We're not going to make the playoffs. And you're questioning how does Josh Allen and a team that was, you know, has been one of the top tier teams in the AFC not have an opportunity to make the playoffs? And over the last stretch of the season, they have completely turned it on and look like one of the top 10, or excuse me, top tier teams in the NFL right now. And not a team that I would want to face right now if I were the Steelers or anyone else in the AFC. And in that Dolphins game, right, they were completely just dry and missing some juice. Uh, it very well looked like they were going to lose that game. And then lo and behold, they have a 96-yard punt return that brings them back into the game. And after that drive, after that return, they have their best drive of the game. Go down and score and take the lead and ultimately win the game. And my takeaway with the Bills is I think they've become to expect the unexpected with this season. Uh, Josh Allen is Josh Allen. He's great, but you've got to live with the turnovers, right? Injuries are a part of football. It's just how it is. But they've had to deal with it all season long, and it's just kind of become one of their their things about the team. And when the season looked like it was over in jeopardy and the, the, the chances of making the playoffs looked up in the air, they were able to fight through, able to have the best stretch of football this season. In the Dolphins game, when they were not able to move the ball, going three and out, punting it over and over again, all it took was a punt return to get them right back in the game and win the game. So, uh, to me... I think the the Bills season was summarized in in the final game of the season against the Dolphins, and I think the Bills are now a team that are hotter than anyone and could definitely make a run. Um, so that that's my angle on the Bills and Dolphins. And uh, Dawson, we got you next. 
Yeah, I'm taking Indy and Houston, the Colts okay. and the Texans. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a huge game this was for Houston. I mean, in a season where nobody really expected them to be quite this good this fast for D'Amico Ryans, I mean, they, they had an opportunity to do something that – that they were not expected to do, and that's make the postseason, and they do it. 23-19, what a win. C.J. Stroud, outstanding again. What a season he's had. 20 for 26 for 264 and two touchdowns. Uh, This is a gritty win for that team. Coming to this game, they only won in Indianapolis four times in the last 20 seasons, which for a team that plays there twice a year, you can do the math. It's not a lot. Uh, They had to win this game to make the postseason. They do. It's behind Stroud and Nico Collins, who was outstanding in this game. A 75-yard touchdown to add to 195 total yards on nine catches. Uh, For sure, filling in the gap that Tank Dell has left on that Houston offense. Uh, Devin Singletary scores the game-winning touchdown with about three minutes to go um, in a game that had a huge swing. Houston was not in a good spot in this game. Indy has a chance to kick a field goal to take the lead. They miss. Uh, Houston ends up kicking the field goal instead. Kai Fairbairn and then they put the drive. They put the game away on their next touchdown drive, and it's a ten point swing for Indy. That they almost had a shot at it. They had a look at it. Tyler Goodson, man, that is a brutal look on fourth and one. Um, you saw the reaction of that. That that the Colts had played a good enough game. Minshew, I don't think played well enough to win them that game. But they had a shot anyway. One hundred forty one yards for him. Uh, it's a good game for the Texans defense as well. Uh, that's a good unit. It's a thrown-together unit. We kind of talked about that yesterday a little bit, how this team has been kind of pieced together at the last second. Uh, they are way ahead of schedule. Uh, and on defense as well, Blake Cashman, Christian Harris, uh, Jalen Petrie, they continue to be very good contributors. And they're another team I don't know if I'd like to see in the in the postseason. Yeah, I'm kind of taking a different angle for, for these takes tonight. I'm, I'm going with uh, the Eagles getting absolutely thumped by the Giants the other night, 27-10. to I mean – you know, for the first two-thirds of this season, it kind of looked like this team was just suited up and ready to go for another Super Bowl run. It felt like, uh, you know, out of their first 11 games, they won 10, uh, 10-1 and one after the Thanksgiving, uh, after Thanksgiving, and now they've lost five out of their last six, and, you know, a couple of those to some not-so-great teams, you know. Uh, of course, those first two losses of those five, Niners, Cowboys, like, yeah, that happens, but, I mean, Seahawks, on the road, yeah, that makes sense. But at home against the Cardinals, with that with that squad, I hate to bring it to you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, completely understandable. I, I completely mean, yeah, understandable. You, you know what you're dealing with here. And then at at the Giants, who of course are on Tyrod Taylor after uh, the Devito show that we got to see. It's just you really can't lose those two matchups. I mean, especially when you're trying to lock up that NFC East title with a good Cowboys team right on your tail. You really can't do that. Uh, Again, what was what looked like a lock for the number one overall seed just crumbled right in front of us. The defense has been so poor compared to last year's uh, runner-up squad. Uh, Matt Patricia at the helm these last couple weeks hasn't really seen that turnover too much. And now, you know, Hurts uh, the other day, finger just went kamikaze on him, just looked horrible, <laughs> looked scary. And then you're rolling into Tampa, who didn't look that great, and Baker Mayfield is a little eh. But, I mean, it just that, that game kind of sums up this last third of the season for the Eagles. Just nothing has gone their way, and, you know, they're on the road in this first playoff game. Yeah, the Eagles are a team, and we'll talk more about the Texans in the upcoming segment with contending questions because I think they're a team to talk about as well. Um the Eagles, it's it's crazy. You know, we were talking about a month and a half ago that the Bills were kind of in disarray, didn't look like they were going to make the playoffs. It was the exact opposite for the Eagles. 
Yeah. The Eagles were a team that were top 10 in offensive and defensive DVOA. They were winning games. It looked very well like they were going to kind of ride and cruise into the postseason like they did last year. And though Jalen Hurts hasn't been as good as he was last year, um, I feel like his regression has gotten worse over this stretch of games. And it's it's crazy. I don't think I've ever seen a team go from being so high in, in the NFL rankings to just looking a complete and utter shell of himself. The, the game on Sunday was embarrassing, yeah. I think, for the Eagles. Uh, that's a uh, interdivision opponent that is, quite frankly, pathetic. Uh, with a backup quarterback, they've had a coach, uh, a quarterback carousel all season long. Nothing to play for. You're at home against that team, and not only do you lose, you get your ass kicked. It wasn't even yeah. close. And uh, to me, it raises a couple questions. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball. I think the Eagles' identity is something they have not found out all season long. Last year, you kind of knew what they were. They were playing through Jalen Hurts, who was a star last year, his best season of his career. It was a great story. You know, a guy that got benched at Alabama, Oklahoma, and kind of has a chip on his shoulder, comes into the league, not many people thinking he could throw the ball, let alone gets to the Super Bowl. And this year, they've kind of gone away from that, and they're trying to figure out what they are offensively. They have a Hall of Fame offensive line, Jason Kelsey and Malata. That's one of the the top-tier offensive lines in the NFL. And you have Jalen Hurts, who is regarded by many as a top-10 quarterback. We'll say I think that's a fair – That's fair, uh, fair, At least coming into this season. Um, And then you have an array of weapons in in A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard. And DeAndre Swift, what addition he was. He's been great in the run. He didn't even start at the start of the year. No, exactly. Um, And he's been such a great addition in the run game and also as a a pass catcher as well. Obviously, they have Kenneth Gainwell as well. But it feels like they're kind of overwhelmed with what they've got, and they don't necessarily know what to do in certain situations. And I think the play calling has also gotten very vanilla and very – uh, head scratching. Uh, there was an instance uh, two weeks ago. Uh, I, I remind me who they played. The Commanders was it two weeks ago? Uh, they played Com- the, the Giants. Car- oh, Cardinals. Giants. Cardinals. Cardinals. That's what it was. It was yeah. Cardinals. Yeah, Cardinals two weeks ago. And and no offense, Dawson, but the Cardinals are not a great team. No, they're not. And a team that's looking to get in the Caleb Williams or Marvin Harrison, you know, discussion. Not trying to win games. And the Eagles have the ball at first. And it's a first and twenty after a penalty. And they have the ball from the Cardinals, I guess we'll say 35-yard line, right? In a, in a chance to score. And it's first down and they do a QB run. Second down, they do a QB run. And then third down, they do a bubble screen to Kenneth Gainwell that goes for four yards. So from first and 20, they get a total of eight yards in their opponent's territory. And when you have all these weapons on your roster, back-to-back quarterback runs and a bubble screen, that doesn't sound like something that is a – and a very aggressive approach to scoring like we've seen them last year. And that is just a small sample size of the questions I have for them offensively. I think they lack urgency, lack kind of a, a dog mentality, and they lack having an identity. And I think a lot of teams, especially your bad teams in the NFL, the ones that lack an identity are the ones that are losing games, right? So the Eagles offensively has looked bad. Now defensively is a whole other story because you have pass rushers, that are supposed to attack the quarterback out there playing pass coverage. That doesn't make much sense. We were talking about Harold Perkins yesterday for LSU, a guy that was a really good pass rusher, a really good tackler out there playing pass coverage. And the secondary, they added Kevin Byer. That was supposed to be their big acquisition. 
quite frankly, they've been worse since they've added him. And they've been allowing Tyrod Taylor to come off the stone-cold bench in the fourth quarter and throw for 133 yards and four drives. They allowed uh, uh, what's, uh, Drew Locke. Drew Locke, a guy that was on the bench, a backup, comes in and tosses her 208 yards and wins the game with a game-winning drive. Unacceptable. So there are so many problems on this Eagles team. And I don't know if it's fixable. Have you ever seen a team that's trying to find their identity at the end of the season after the se- the regular season is over? That doesn't sound like a recipe for success long term. And I- I'm not necessarily saying the Bucks get them this weekend um, because I think they're a lot more talented than the Bucks. And I don't know if Baker Mayfield in a playoff game is necessarily anything anyone wants to see. But um, I-, I think the Eagles are in trouble at least if they advance because. Uh, you know, San Francisco is, or excuse me, Dallas is no pushover either. Mm-mm. And Dallas at home is no pushover either. So uh, I think the, the Eagles are in a, a really big predicament. And I'll ask you guys this. Do you think Nick Sirianni deserves to be the coach after this season? I think so. I don't know if this is a fireable offense quite yet. Uh, this is something where it's it's weird. It's like they took everything that worked last year, threw it out the window, and now they're trying to figure out what else works when yeah. last year's strategy worked. And I'm not saying you could exactly replicate that again, but you have all these weapons and they worked last year and you had a system that worked and then you go away from it this year and all of a sudden, here you are, you're scrambling at the end of the season. And for a team I picked preseason to, to win the NFC mm. and a team that looked like that the first, what, five, six, seven weeks of the season at mm-hmm. least. Yeah. I still don't think it's a fireable offense, but he's got to get it together next year or it will quickly become a fireable offense. Yeah, I, I think he's still the right guy for the job right now. Uh, I mean, of course, we've seen some, I guess, quote-unquote locker room disagreements, you know, some unhappiness from A.J. Brown at some points. Uh, you know, that's your key weapon on that offense anyways. And like you said, that offense just feels taken aback. It feels like they don't have that one guy that they can lean on, you know, for years, for the Titans, it was Derrick Henry. I mean, that's their go-to guy. We know their bread and butter. For a while last year, you know, and this year, A.J. Brown was right there with Tyree Kill, looking like we might see a 2,000-yard season this year. And then back half of the year, just nothing. I mean, he maybe got like four or 500 yards across those last six, seven, eight games. So nothing crazy there. It's just I, – I think, I think Sirianni is the guy for the job. It's just – does does he have that pull with the coordinators like he had last year rolling in? I don't think so. A six five five four six eight two zero zero. your number if you want to hop in and be a part of our Tuesday night overtime show. Uh, when I look at the Eagles situation, you know, they fired and, and moved on from Doug Peterson for a lot less. And Peterson won them a Super Bowl, right? Not even got there and won it. So, to me – the Eagles have higher expectations than this, and their goal is to not just make the playoffs at this rate and after last year. It's to do well and win games in the playoffs, and they might get one just because they're playing the Buccaneers, um, but no one in Philadelphia and no one in the NFL thinks this team is going any further than one win, and is it a fireable offense? I, I have to say yes. I think the team has been so out of sorts, and so just lacking energy, lacking some some toughness. And I know those are like just generalizations, like toughness and, and stuff like that, and there's no, I guess, numbers you could pull that up. But you can just tell when a team is engaged and a team is all together. And, and over this stretch, you, you can't say that about this team. Um, I, I thought the 
you couldn't get any worse than the Giants coming back on Christmas from trailing twenty whatever they're down twenty points, or you couldn't get any worse than leading twenty-one to six at halftime against the Cardinals, but getting flat out punished by the Eagles or by the Giants in the last game of the season at home is embarrassing. Um, or were they on the road? They were on the road. On, on the road. At, at home on Christmas. Uh, at home yep. on Christmas. That's yep. what it was. Um, but regardless, I mean, it's not like MetLife Stadium's uh, getting up and getting in your ear either. Not this year. No. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely not. So uh, I think it is a fireable offense. Um, will they do it? Maybe not, especially where they were last year. Uh, but to me, if you hold yourself to a certain standard, and that standard is to be a contender throughout the entirety of the season and to win multiple playoff games – uh, he is not fitting the bill there, and the fact that he's an offensive-minded guy and the offense looks the way it does, and the fact that you know your your saving grace was to get Matt Patricia and start calling in a, a defensive play calls was you know to try and fix things that's almost looked even worse and backfired. Uh, yeah, I, I think it, you could start to have the conversation of if this is a fireable offense. 865-546-8200, your number if you want to hop in and be a part of tonight's show. We'll be right back with our contending questions about the NFL playoffs. Stay right here on Overtime. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. Life is more fun with a Good Life checking account offering extra benefits including bank travel. Join us for a trip to Mackinac Island for a stay at the beautiful Grand Hotel. Travel with us to southern Utah to witness the enormous, colorful, and unusual rock formations. Or join us on one of our many day trips. We're always on the go. Citizens National Bank. Banking never felt so good. Member FDIC. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 888-707-4282. Or visit griffinlawdefense.com. 
I'm Smokey Bear, and I made an assistant to help you out, because only you can prevent wildfires. Hey, Assistant Smokey Bear, call me Papa Bear, because I'm grilling up dinner. <laughs> do you get it? Yes, good job. So, what should I do with all these coals? Don't just toss them out. Put them in a metal container, because those embers can start a wildfire. I understand. The stakes are high. Ha, 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 ha. Learn more at SmokeyBear.com. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. Segment number two of hour number two here on Overtime on this Tuesday night. And let's hit the phones real quick before we get into our contending questions. We've got Walker on the line. What up, Walker? What's up? How are y'all? Doing well. Um, I just wanted to call in. You know, I'm a big uh, NFL fan, and you know, this weekend's obviously a, a huge weekend for NFL with you know six playoff games. Um, I was just kind of wondering what y'all's thoughts were. If y'all had any, you know, uh, you know, confident picks or any upsets. You know, I I tend to think that the uh, the Rams over the Lions would be my upset of the weekend. Um, but I was just kind of wondering what y'all thought, if uh, if y'all agree with that, or if y'all had any other upsets or you know confident picks y'all had for this weekend. Yeah, thanks for calling in, Carson uh, or Walker. Excuse me. Um, let's see. So, uh, so we were actually going to do our contending questions, and one of them was which team is on upset alert this weekend. So let's go ahead and do that one now, guys. Um, Dawson, we'll start with you. Turn that on. It's funny you say that the the Rams over the Lions. I had the same one written down. Um, I had the, the Lions on upset alert. What a story this is, right? I yeah. was kind of hoping for this one. Stafford yeah. returning to Detroit, the first home game for the Lions in, in 30 years. Uh, what a huge game this is going to be. What a what a funny game this is going to be, right? Yeah. Stafford going you know, back into his old building. The, the Rams, I mean, they have a dynamic offense against a shaky Detroit defense at times this year. Yeah. Mm. Um, Nakua and the receiving core for Stafford should be able to hold their own. Can the Detroit offense, can Jared Goff win a game against his old team? Yeah. I mean, you have the, the guys that were traded for each other uh, playing in a game. It's a young Detroit team that I don't know what they're going to be without Sam Laporta. He did leave their Week 18 game. Uh, if they are without him, it's going to be up to, to Campbell and Jared Goff and that young team to try to get the job done. Now, they do have home field, but still not a team I – you know, overly trust just they don't have a lot of postseason experience, and the Rams do. Obviously, Sean McVay, Matt Stafford winning a Super Bowl. Yeah. So to to get there is one thing. To win in the playoffs is another thing. The Lions just haven't proven it to me yet. Yeah, I was definitely mulling over that option for me too. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to stick with dogging on the Eagles here. They are favored three points on the road at Tampa Bay. Uh, but you know, as as we were talking about, they just really haven't looked like a playoff team for this last month and a half. No. Uh, Bucks played. I will say the Bucks played pretty bad against the Panthers. I mean, nine to nothing. That game was just ugly. I'm not sure anybody no. wanted to go to that <laughs> one. I mean, it's it's kind of like one of those Panthers games where there's tickets for like what fifty cents a few weeks yeah. ago. It was yeah. it's ridiculous. But uh, they will still Bucks will still be at home. Of course, Baker Mayfield gonna be hobbled a little bit. He was limping around quite a bit. Uh, on Sunday against the Panthers, and he's still coming off of that rib injury. Uh, Again, hurts with the finger. We're still not sure on the status of him. Surely he'll be back uh, suiting up because, I mean, that offense with Mariota is just not great. No. Didn't, no, no. didn't function well. Uh, <clears throat> but if there is a saving grace uh, for Philly, it is that Baker Mayfield is a little bit hobbled. Yeah. So uh, my upset was uh, Rams-Lions as well because I think when you go down the list, 
at head coach, right? Sean McVay, Dan Campbell. I give McVay the advantage here. I think he's a brilliant offensive mind, and I think Dan Campbell sometimes gets in the way of himself. Then at quarterback, Matthew Stafford, a guy that's won a Super Bowl, versus Jared Goff, a guy that played in a Super Bowl and uh, looked terrible. Uh, and then defensively, I think the Rams are kind of sneakily pretty good defensively. Yeah. And the Lions all season long have lacked that splash player in the second level of their defense. Now, they got Chauncey Garner-Johnson back, and that's a big addition for them. But they still have lacked that throughout the entirety of the season. And when you have an offensive mind in Sean McVay coming in, knowing there's a, a little bit of a hole in their defense, I think McVay is going to take advantage of that. I think the, uh, the the line's at three and a half right now. Might have moved to three. Um, I, I'd, I'd be willing to take three and a half with the Rams very easily. I think they could very well win outright as well. Now, uh, morale will be very high in Detroit. They haven't had a playoff game in years. Um, Jared Goff playing inside a dome uh, is usually pretty good as well. But I think Sam Laporta, his status is very important because when you compare the two offenses, you know, you got Kyron Williams, who's had a great season, Jamar Gibbs and David Montgomery, two guys who've been very productive as well. Amon Ross St. Brown's been great. Uh, Puka Nakua, what a story he's been. And I think if you are missing Laporta, you're kind of missing that second wheel, a second or third wheel to that offense that I think makes him really dynamic. So if he's out, I think that's another big advantage for the Rams, and I'd I'd probably lean uh, an upset for the Rams. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think you know that's probably the most popular choice uh, for an upset would be be Rams over uh, Lions, like y'all for the reasons y'all talked about. Um, Another game I'm interested in is that Chiefs uh, Dolphins game. You know, the Chiefs have been a you know complete mess this year. Not not the Chiefs that we're used to seeing, but I saw that the that there's potential to, for this to be one of the coldest NFL games ever, which I don't think uh, suits well for Tua, who struggles with you know, um, you know his arm is obviously not the strongest. So, what do y'all think about that game? Yeah, that's an interesting matchup. One that I don't think was really getting a whole lot of publicity this week. And it's it's kind of crazy that a, a Patrick Mahomes Kansas City Chiefs team versus the Dolphins, who have been one of the better teams in the regular season now, when they play good teams, they don't look that good. But uh, this is an interesting game as well. And I think this is a weird situation for the Chiefs because you've got Travis Kelsey, you've got Andy Reid, you've got Patrick Mahomes. That in itself is a recipe for wins in the postseason. And their defense has been so great this season. That's really been their bell cow this year. That's been their calling card. Their defense is going to get it done. And when the Dolphins have played good defenses, especially teams that take away their initial read and Tua's initial read. I don't know if y'all remember week three in that Bills game. The Dolphins looked way over their skis because the Bills were right there on their initial read. They played zone coverage. Dolphins had nowhere to go. And I think if if the Chiefs are able to stop the initial read for the Dolphins in that cold weather in an environment that uh, people from Miami and that team is not used to playing in, that's a, a recipe for disaster. Now, I will say Mike McDaniel has shown so far in his playoff career, though it's been short, they were severely outnumbered last year against the Bills, having Skylar Thompson play, and they were competitive in that game. So I'm not necessarily saying that the Dolphins uh, are, are not going to win this one or out of it. Um, but you know when you look at them over this past season and really over the past couple of seasons, the Dolphins struggled beating good teams, and you know they they got the win over the Cowboys and that was kind of their signature big win this year. But they were embarrassed by the Chiefs, they were embarrassed by the Bills. Uh, they they can't seem to win the big games. So to me, I'd, I'd give the advantage to the Chiefs here playing at home. 
uh, playing with uh, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, uh, Travis Kelsey, all those guys, it's a recipe for winning. And with that defense, they're so good. Now, it falls into the laps, and I don't mean this literally, of the receiver's hands. You know, if they're not able to make the plays like they haven't been all season, then that's going to be a, a tough matchup for a very potent offense on the other side in the Dolphins, right? If the Chiefs are not able to to keep up with the Dolphins, if they're able to score, then I smell trouble there. But I think overall the Chiefs have the advantage. Dawson, what do you say? I agree completely. Obviously playing an arrowhead is going to give you an advantage. And yeah. It truly, you know, a humbling atmosphere for a team like Miami. I mean, they, they have not seen an atmosphere like this, especially not in a postseason game. So that's certainly going to hinder them. But my question still is, can the Kansas City offense score? You know Chris Jones and Nick Bolton, that defense, are going to keep you in the game for sure. They're going to get stops, especially with Miami playing against good defenses, like you said. They're going to have chances to get stops and leave Patrick Mahomes an opportunity, but can they make the plays? I mean, so many times this season we're like, oh, well, Mahomes has finally got it in gear. His receivers are not giving him anything to work Mm with, and you know Miami's going to put a heavy focus on on Travis Kelsey as well as the run game. So they're, they're going to make Mahomes hit his wide receivers. Can they get the job done? I don't know, and that leaves an opportunity for, for Tua and Tyreek Hill to really get a huge win on the road at Arrowhead. Yeah, a big thing for Miami, definitely, like y'all have been hitting on, is getting that offense running. Uh, you know, we saw Devon Achan finally have a decent game back from injury uh, these last couple weeks, and Raheem Mostert uh, has been banged up these last couple weeks. Are we going to see him get back out there, get back in rotation? Of course, Tyreek Hill's been great. Jalen Waddle has been great this year. Tua's looked good, uh, but for – for Kansas City, like you said, that defense is stellar, uh, especially these last few weeks besides that Raiders game, which, you know, we know how that went. Um, but, I mean, it feels like it feels like Mahomes has finally found out who his wide receiver target is in Rasheed Rice, a rookie at SMU. He, and, I mean, I think he lives up to uh, the billing. I think he's a great young piece that they've got, and he's an extra weapon that's not named Travis Kelsey. Uh, to get offense rolling, but again, it does fall down to whether uh, they can not scramble and, you know, I hate to throw it back to yesterday, but no pan hands yeah, uh, over yeah. the weekend. There you go. Uh, quick little note, Chiefs are 8-0 and this season when they score 21-plus points. It's something to keep out for uh, in this game. Uh, Carson, uh, you got anything else for us? Yeah, you know, I'm a, a big Cowboys fan, and, you know, we play Green Bay uh, this weekend at home. I think we're you know, seven-and-a-half-point favorites. So, you know, we should win. We're definitely the better team, and uh, we've been great at home all year. But I kind of wanted y'all's, you know, unbiased kind of thoughts, uh, not as Cowboy fans, of what y'all think about that game and kind of how it how it goes this Sunday. I don't like how the Packers struggled with the Bears at home at Lambeau on Sunday. Um it's a good Packers team, but I don't think it's a Packers team that can overwhelm what has been a really dominant Dallas team. I mean, all year they get big wins. It seems like every every single week they play a good team, they're getting a big win. Uh, most recently over Detroit a couple of weeks ago at home. The offense, I think, is going to be just too much to overwhelm. Jordan Love's going to be great. I don't think this is the year. I don't think they have the pieces yet. Uh, I think Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Tony Pollard, they're going to overwhelm the Green Bay defense, and Green Bay's just not going to be able to keep up. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, th- I think Green Bay does not go in and win. But, I mean, they've played spoils to the Cowboys before uh, in Jerry world or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but, I mean, again, Dallas this year at home has looked untouchable. I mean, they're putting up nearly like 40 points a game at home. Uh, and this Packers defense hasn't 
especially last week against the Bears, did not look the best, uh, letting up big plays to DJ Moore and Justin Fields and the like. So I do think the Cowboys come away with it. Do they cover? Eh, it's the Cowboys in postseason. Oh, there you go. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, look, they're, they've won their last 15 games at home, dating back to last season. I think that's very important. I think the Cowboys have shown this season how different they are at home versus on the road. So as many opportunities as you have uh, to play at home, I think plays well into the Cowboys' hands. And I think you talked about it, Dawson. Uh, the Packers' defense is not good. And uh, they've had a couple of games where they've really struggled. Last week wasn't necessarily their best output either. Um, I think Jordan Love has been a nice story. I think he's kind of solidified himself as the, the quarterback, at least for the, the near future. Um, but I, I think their offense uh, is kind of their best part of this team. And I think when you're playing a team like the Cowboys that are so uh, dynamic offensively, and so experienced defensively, uh, this smells trouble for me for the Packers. So I'd, I'd lean Cowboys here to Walker. Yeah, that, uh, I, I agree. I think we should win, but um, you know it's the playoffs, and I, you know the Cowboys don't have a great track record in the playoffs the past twenty five years. So um, we'll see. But uh, I appreciate it. Thank you for your call, Walker. All right, let's now get back into our contending questions. Uh, we have anyone else on the line? No. Okay, good. Um, so our contending questions, and we already answered one of them uh, with our caller Walker there. Um, but now I've got another question for you guys. Other than the top two seeds in each conference, which team could make a run? I've got two, and it's actually convenient and inconvenient at the same time because they play each other a wild card weekend. Yes. I'm taking the winner of the Browns-Texans game. Mm. Um, and I know that's probably frustrating. I feel like that's probably the obvious answer, but both teams have played pretty good football. The Texans, obviously, way ahead of schedule. They're a team that, I mean, they could be a lightning rod type of team. If they get a win in the postseason, they're at home in front of their home fans. All of a sudden, it's not a team I want to play. I don't want to play against C.J. Stroud right now if I'm any of those AFC defenses. Uh, but I don't want to play against Joe Flacco either. I mean, he's been there, done that before. And if they were to win that game, there's a possibility you could be seeing the Browns match up with the Baltimore Ravens. And that, I mean, that's a nightmare matchup for the Ravens because you're going up against the guy that got you there so many years ago. That's a, They're both teams, I think, that have pieces uh, that can get there. Cleveland, Amari Cooper, Jerome Ford, David Njoku have been excellent this year for Cleveland. Joe Flacco, obviously the star of the show, kind of an unexpected star late in his career, but he's a guy that can get you there with his experience. He's done it before. He's gone on deep runs before and made big plays in those games uh, as well. But the Texans, Stroud and Collins and D'Amico Ryans, that's a scrappy team, yeah. and the more you let a scrappy team get hungry, the more you let them win, the more they're going to stick around and fight. So I think they're both ma uh, matchup nightmares. Uh, notably, the the Browns beat the Texans earlier in the season by two touchdowns. I believe it was on the road in Houston as well, so that'll be interesting to see, but I got the winner of that game. I was just going to flat-out take Cleveland in this one just because, you know, as of late, Joe Flacco has looked, you know, I feel like almost – good as good as or better than when he took the Ravens to that Super Bowl I mean he's been of course Amari Cooper's been really good for him as well I mean he had that one game with like 230 yards or something like that kept me out of my fantasy uh championship game thanks Amari Cooper uh but I mean this team is firing all cylinders the defense has been incredible all year uh Miles Garrett looking like he could be defensive player of the year I'm not sure if he will or not but uh definitely a, a horse in that race for sure Man, Cleveland's Cleveland's scary, man. It's, I mean, on the road, of course, is going to be tough, but I think they've got the stones to do it. 
Yeah, so I'm going to have two here, one from each conference. And I think you're, you you hit it right on the head there uh, with Texans and Browns, both of you guys on the Browns. I've, I've been on the Browns for a couple months now, and uh, when Max and I were here back in October – he asked, you know, who, who's a team that you could think could make a run at the playoffs and possibly make some noise? And I said the Browns because Kevin Stefanski has done such a great job this season. I think he should be coach of the year. Now, you can make an argument for D'Amico Ryans as well. But losing your starting quarterback, Deshaun Watson, losing your starting running back, Nick Chubb, two of your you know biggest players on the team, and then losing two starting offensive linemen, losing – a, a guy in Grant Delpit who is one of your best corners on the team. They've lost so much, and yet they have still managed and found a way to win games. And really, I think right now, I, I did my, my paddle ladder last night, I think they're a top-five team in the NFL right now in terms of what they're doing. And I think it all relies on Joe Flacco. If he is able to be a game manager, I know that, that word has been thrown around least recently as a, a bad annotation, but – I think if he's a game manager, meaning that he doesn't turn the ball over and can put up, you know, I, I'm not really saying 300 yards, but he's been doing that recently, just putting up enough numbers and enough and putting them in enough good situations to be able to win that game. Uh, that defense is so good that I think they in itself, uh, that unit in itself could take them to where they want to go. Um, now, not necessarily the Super Bowl, but winning a game and maybe giving a game in that in that next round. Um, that defense is great, and I think the Browns would be a team that I, I'd really be hard be uh, afraid to face. Um, the other team would be the Rams, and very similarly uh, with the argument against the Lions, uh, I, I think they have a a veteran coach that knows how to win a Super Bowl with a quarterback that knows how to win a Super Bowl, and most importantly so dynamic offensively. It doesn't matter if they throw a rookie from BYU in there. They're still rolling. And, you know, they get a guy in Kyron Williams off the street, and he's been one of the better backs this season. And I think their defense is really sneaky because they hit on all their picks in the draft. A guy in Byron Young that we used to watch here play, he's been great for them. And I think, you know, not necessarily saying they could beat San Francisco because that's a tall task, but uh, I think they could give them a game. Just two great offensive minds uh, would be facing off there. And, and McVay has shown that he can win at the highest level, and I'd, I'd be afraid to face them as well. Um, so now we'll move into who is the team to beat, who is the best team in your opinion out of all the teams in the field. Uh, we might have some similar answers here, but who is the best team in your opinion, Dawson? I'm going to take the Baltimore Ravens. I had said this a few weeks ago after they beat San Francisco in what a game that I don't think was as close as the score may have shown. Uh, Baltimore dominated that game from start to finish. Uh, Lamar is having, I mean, an MVP level season. I mean, he's just, he's been outstanding his whole career. This season, it feels like he's even better, which is hard to say with a guy like Lamar Jackson, but. I think he's gotten better. He's got weapons everywhere. Uh, you obviously, you automatically go with Mark Andrews, Odell Beckham, Nelson Aguilar has been pretty good for them this season as well. Rashad Bateman, Zay Flowers. That offense is just as dynamic as anyone in the league when you have Lamar in the backfield running the offense. Uh, their defense has been good as well. Roquan Smith has been an excellent pickup for them, I think, as well as Patrick Queen. Uh, Kyle Hamilton, what a surprise that guy has been this season. Uh, excellent in the defensive backfield. The, the safety combination, I believe I saw earlier, they had about eight or nine interceptions combined between their two yeah. starting safeties mm -hmm. um, so they've been excellent as well and how about a resurgence for Jadavian Clowney as yeah. well what yeah, a yeah. season for him nine and a half sacks I, I did not expect that myself they are the most situated to, to go on a deep run and win the Super Bowl 
I'm going to kind of go the opposite here. You brought up the 49ers. I'm going to take the 49ers here. Uh, like you said, they took that big loss at home against the Ravens. But, man, that roster is just so deep across the board. I mean, you look at it, I mean, there's really no bad spots in that lineup, especially with that addition of Chase Young in the middle of the year, adding to that already pretty lethal defense. I mean, when you get Nick Bosa, uh, Chase Young, and Fred Warner just in your front seven for the most part, I mean, you're you're going to be pretty set up to make some noise. And then the offensive line has been stellar. Brock Purdy has been flinging the ball wherever he wants to, to IU, Samuel, uh, McCaffrey, just anybody he wants to get it to, it's getting there and it's working. System quarterback, maybe, but, I mean, if the system is well-oiled, it's going to run itself. Uh, I think, especially with this extra rest week with some of the guys kind of banged up, I know McCaffrey was kind of hobbled just a little bit towards the end of the season. I think with that extra week of rest and work, this team's going to be chomping at the bit. Yes, I'm going to go Baltimore here as well. And I think this is such a cool story because, uh, keep in mind, this offseason, Lamar Jackson was on the the trading block, and and no one seemed to want him. No one wanted to – to put up the money for him. And, you know, the Ravens finally chop the bit and say, all right, we'll pay him. And not only has it paid off, I mean, they're one of the best teams, if not the best team right now in the playoffs. And I think a lot of it needs to be attributed to Todd Munkin, a guy that's come in and totally changed this offense. They fulfilled their promise of saying Lamar will give you a better situation offensively. Uh, Zay Flowers was a great pickup. You mentioned Bateman. Uh, Odell Beckham might not be in the same prime he used to be, but he's still a, a very, uh, you know, uh, I guess serviceable receiver. Um, Mark Andrews being out hurts him, but Isaiah likely has come in and, be, and been as good. I mean, he's had some really good moments as well. And the fact that it doesn't really matter who's running the football for him, it, it, it works. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's the, the third string, the second string, it, it works. And I think that shows a, a sign of an offense that knows what they're doing. And I think Todd Munkin deserves a lot of credit. And you mentioned that defense. Uh, they've been as good as anyone this year. And I think uh, I think the Ra- uh, excuse me Ravens are the best team in the NFL. Now, I know we both talked about the 49ers and Ravens, so I'll do this uh, little rundown before we hit the break. So, Let's say they were to meet up, right? And we'll go down the same criteria I did with the the Lions and Rams. So we'll do the head coach battle. Who wins the head coach battle between John Harbaugh and Kyle Shanahan? I think it's Harbaugh. He's been there, done that, and and more than once. And, you know, Shanahan's been there too, but Harbaugh I think has extended that success for longer. Um, And I just think the recent success they've had this year, the dynamic offense they have with Lamar Jackson, I I just – I don't think – I don't think Harbaugh's going to pass up another opportunity to win. uh, Yeah, I think I also agree with you, Harbaugh. I mean, he's been there and he's finished the job. He's gotten that ring already. Uh, He knows what it's like to go that deep. Of course – Shanahan's taken them to the Super Bowl, haven't really gone over the ledge in that category just yet. But, I mean, this team is a bit, has the ability to do just that. But I think I am leaning Harbaugh with you on this one. Okay, I'm going to go Harbaugh here as well. Even though I want to give Kyle Shanahan some credit, he's one of the best offensive minds in the NFL, in the world, and he's great. I do agree with Harbaugh, though, in the fact that he's been there before, um, even with less competent teams that he's had over the last couple of seasons. Like last year with uh, Tyler Huntley in there at quarterback, they very well could have been the Bengals if it wasn't for a turnover. 
Um, so I think he's shown at all levels with good teams, with mediocre teams, with teams that are struggling, that he can get it done. So I'd give the head coaching uh, a battle to the Baltimore Ravens. Now, quarterback, this might be an interesting one. Uh, Brock Purdy or Lamar Jackson? Lamar Jackson. I, I don't even – it's not that I'm not hesitating. I'm giving plenty of credit to Brock Purdy. He is he is a very good quarterback, and he's proven that. Um, and they both have very good weapons around them, and Purdy's certainly a guy that is is able to win big games. But Lamar Jackson is just on another, another level this year. I mean, he, he's on an MVP-level season right now. I don't think after all that happened in the offseason and all that, I, I think he's out to prove a point as well. Um, and this is a perfect opportunity for him to do so. I think I'm also sticking with you on this one, Lamar. I mean – you, you take a guy uh, that changes the entire way that offense runs, uh, and you can plug him anywhere and it works. With Brock Purdy, you throw him in a perfect situation. You meet, I mean, you give Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey. I mean, what big four could you ask for better than that? Uh, you plug him in there, and of course it runs well. He throws for 4,300 or so yards this year. It works, but just intangibles, everything else, I, I have Lamar. He's so much more dynamic. Yeah, uh, right, right there. What you said, dynamic, and I think that's Lamar Jackson to a T. You know, we talked about Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes earlier, guys that can just will you to a win. And I'd throw Lamar Jackson in that conversation as well. Just extending plays with his legs, making the right play. That's something I haven't really seen from Purdy yet because they've kind of just made it to where you know this is a kind of cookie cutter, cut and drive where to get with the ball, and and that's good and it's working. But I think Lamar's a little bit more elusive and and more dynamic. So we'll give the advantage at quarterback to the Ravens. Might go 49ers here. Weapons. So on the offense, your weapons. This is yeah. This is where it would be the Niners. I think it might be a little bit closer if the Ravens had Mark Andrews. I think I would probably give them the edge. Without him, it's it's the Niners. Like you mentioned, the big four that they have is incredible. I mean, what else could you ask for out of an offensive unit? So I give the edge to the Niners there. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, you know, like we tallied off that Debo Samuel, I mean – Brandon Ayuk, who's the lead receiver for him this year, outpaced uh, Debo Samuel this year. And McCaffrey, of course, has over like 2,000 yards of scrimmage. I mean, you can't really bring that up for the 49ers and overlook it at all. I mean, that's what really drives this offense. And then you get guys on the outside for those screen passes like Jawan Jennings out there laying hammerhead blocks out there. And, I mean, it's just a recipe for success for that offense. Yeah, I'm going to go 49ers here as well. I think also we're kind of overlooking Trent Williams and how big of an yes. impact he has on that team. Now, the Ra- the Ravens have had a good offensive line, and they've done a great job protecting uh, Lamar Jackson. But I think Trent Williams is someone that's kind of glazed over because he's not a guy that's you know making plays or catching the ball, but he's very important and vital to that team. So we'll go 49ers there as well. All right, Baltimore defense versus Baltimore – or excuse me, Baltimore defense versus 49ers defense. I think I'm going to take the Niners again. I love what the Ravens defense has done. They are certainly a very good unit, like I said, anchored by the the line with Clowney as well as Queen and Smith and Hamilton. But the Niners defense is one that can really take over a game and and shut down, especially with that front seven, which we've already talked about, that's that's anchored by Fred Warner. Uh, They've been there, done that. Most of that unit has been to the big game before, whereas Baltimore's guys a little bit less experienced in big games like that. So I, I give the edge to the Niners for experience and for the ability to really shut down and take over a game. I mean, speaking of taking over games, we kind of saw that Baltimore defense take over that game in their head-to-head matchup. I might just lean just from that aspect alone towards the Ravens. I mean, like you said, they got a bunch of young guys out there. They don't really have the star power of that 49ers uh, defense. But, I mean, when that unit meshes, it meshes, and it meshes really, really well. So I, I might lean towards Baltimore. 
Yeah, I'm going to take Baltimore here as well. I think they've both been great. I think they've both made some pretty key acquisitions. You know, Ravens bringing in a guy like Jadavian Clowney, uh, the 49ers adding a guy in Chase Young. Obviously, those are big moves for both of them. Now, I know they're kind of different points in their career, but they're still very serviceable. And uh, to me, it's looking back at that 49ers game as well. Um, I, I think the Ravens were able to kind of put the 49ers in an uncomfortable situation. And we saw last night between Washington and Michigan. Anytime you can put a team in an uncomfortable situation, you're doing something right. And I felt like the 49ers offensively kind of were all out of sorts with what the Ravens were doing. So I give the advantage there to Baltimore as well. So a 3-1 advantage between Baltimore and 49ers are two top two teams in the NFL. We'd, I'd love to see a Super Bowl matchup between the two of them. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll be right back with our final segment of hour number two. We'll ask the question, did Michael Penix Jr.'s draft stock drop last night? Rogers Utility Solutions, a division of Rogers Hydrant Service, is a family-run Tennessee-based business since 2015. Now serving municipalities and residences in 14 states, Rogers offers fire hydrant flow testing, distribution flushing, and maintenance programs in accordance with ISO standards. Rogers also offers hydrant repair and installation, and they have the capability of repairing hydrants under pressure. For more information on Rogers' new sewer maintenance program, complete with mapping, cleaning, and camera inspecting, visit RogersHydrantService.com. Are you tired of looking at that piece of furniture that is wore down, but you don't want to get rid of it? Go see our friends at Sun Upholstery and Fabric. Locally and family owned and operated with over 67 years of combined experience. Located at 8913 Oak Ridge Highway. Give them a call today at 865-237-3272 or visit them online at fabricsun.com. That's fabricsun.com and be sure to tell Stan that you heard about him right here on Fan Run Radio. Attention service members and veterans, introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex regulations, or seeking justice, at Griffin Law, your mission is their mission. Here's VFL Marshall Griffin. As a veteran and retired military attorney, I've successfully defended lifelong benefits and helped preserve professional futures. So I know that when you hire a military justice lawyer, you maximize your chance to get relief. With my unique experience, I can advocate for you because there's no military matter that's too big or too small. Let us help you make these critical decisions that could affect the rest of your life. Remain silent, request counsel, call Griffin Law. For a free consultation, call 888-707-4282. That's 888-707-4282. Or visit griffinlawdefense.com. Ever been the coach who realized the team's gear just wasn't up to par? Well, if I'm being honest, that was me. Just a downright irresponsible and plain bad coach. Then, SM Athletics changed the game. I want you to picture this. I walk into their store, a coach with a vision. SM Athletics didn't just see a coach. They saw a team's potential. And they delivered custom uniforms so striking. Our team's spirit soared. From cutting-edge apparel to top-notch equipment, SM Athletics transformed our presence. No more unreliable online orders or envying the other team's style. SM Athletics stands for quality, design, and on-time delivery every time. Coaches, elevate your team with SM Athletics. Call 865. 966-3434 or visit smathletics.com. Get the best for your team. Delivered right and on time. So, elevate your team's game by contacting SM Athletics today. 
Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership, Parkside Kia, home of the lifetime warranty. Discover the latest Kia cars and SUVs where technology meets style. Our friendly staff is here to make your car buying experience a breeze. Don't wait. Visit Parkside Kia today and drive home in the Kia of your dreams. Check them out online at parksidekia.com and visit their showroom at 9929 Parkside Drive. Parkside Kia, where your journey begins. Final segment of our number two here on this Tuesday night on Overtime. Thank you so much for being a part of the show and listening along with us tonight. Uh, let's ask the question, guys. You know, last night we had the the national championship game, which we talked about in the, the first hour of the show. But a question we didn't ask was, did Michael Penix's draft stock drop last night after a, a pretty – uh, not not a very on-character performance from him. 27-51, one touchdown, two interceptions, and a QBR of 63. Uh, all really not impressive numbers in a big game. Did Michael Penix's draft stock drop last night, Dawson? I think it took a hit. I don't think it's a fatal hit. Like I don't think it, it should tank because of just last night. I think his body of work, especially over the past two years, is outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Michigan's defense, what a unit that is. I mean, it's the best unit he saw all year by far. Mm. Uh, he's still this year 4,900 yards, 36 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. That is incredible numbers. Uh, an 84.1 QBR for the year is sixth best in the country, and I'm pretty sure that factors in last night's 63 as well. Uh-huh. Um, so, so for him, and that comes off a year 4,600 yards, 31 touchdowns, eight interceptions last season for Washington. So his body of work, especially against the teams that he's faced, Texas, Oregon, Oregon State, USC, Utah, that's only this year. I think his body of work still speaks for itself. Yeah, I, th- I think it drops a little bit. I don't like you said. I don't think it's going to be one that absolutely kills him. Uh, one thing that I'm taking to mind, of course, like he's already 23 in May. He's going to be 24, so mm-hmm. I mean, he's already getting up there with some of the guys that are starting right now. Uh, he's also got an injury history. I mean, the ACLs and stuff at Indiana, and then last night seemed to be grabbing at the ribs a bunch. I mean, he was getting roughed up too. Uh, it's always not the greatest for the stock, but uh, some things like. That one off-kilter throw to O'Dunes when he was wide open on that fourth down just kind of had him turn around, had him flip his shoulders, really didn't give him much of a chance, uh, especially when you get a guy like O'Dunes out there who received, who caught for like 1,500 yards this year. I mean, uh, didn't really give him a chance to connect. So, I mean, that's, of course, just a one-time thing. Like you said, his body of work does speak for itself. So, I think it does – take into account a little bit against a good defense like that because, I mean, NFL's NFL. You're getting the top of the top. But uh, I think he's still going to have to rely a little bit on, like, pro day and combine and stuff to really solidify himself as a day one pick. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point in his age. A guy that's turning 24 here in a couple months, and, you know, that's the same age as a a lot of these starters who've been in the league for a couple of years now. So I think that's definitely a question. Now, in terms of his performance this season, I don't think one game defines you. And I think last night that Michigan defense just totally overwhelmed them. And that's not necessarily on Penix. That's just a a personnel thing. they, They just did a really good job of making them uncomfortable, especially that zone defense. I think it does, in a sense, give a little bit of a hit, though, because 
those Michigan players, that's a, 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 an NFL-style team. Uh, a lot of the same stuff they do offensively and defensively is stuff you'll see in the NFL. So in that sense, I, I think there could be some scouts that say, hey, let's maybe lower our expectations on Penix a little bit here. And you mentioned the injury history, Dawson. I think all of that kind of combines. But I, I wouldn't say it totally knocks him off you know, uh, charts and knocks him off draft boards because of what he did last night. But um, definitely didn't help him. And I know that's yeah. the obvious. But um, I, I don't think it completely knocks him out. But um, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to wrap us up here on a Tuesday night edition of Overtime. For William Patterson, Dawson Wise, and Jace Brown, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll see you again tomorrow.